On today's episode, we are talking dynasty trade strategy. So we're going to talk about kind of how we approach trades and our thought process going through and making trades in our dynasty leagues. I'm Avery Huffman. I'm here with Nathan Schmidt. Hey, hey. And for the last time in Indianapolis, Simon Denny. Yeah, welcome back, everyone. Welcome to Dynasty Domain. As we said before, welcome back to Dynasty Domain. We're happy you are joining us this week. The domain continues to grow. We've got leagues opening up. So if you're interested in that, make sure you get to our website or you get to one of our league directors on Twitter. You can find us there. Um, we got a jam-packed show today. I, I, I will say we've got a lot of good discussion coming up. Uh, we're kind of excited to get started, so we're going to jump right into it. I think, Nathan, you've got a trade scenario for us to break down this week. Yes, I do. So the trade scenario of the week is uh, we're going to go to the quarterback room of the LA Rams and the Vegas Raiders. We're, we've got Matt Stafford for Jared Derek. Stidham. No, Matt Stafford and Derek, <laughs> Matt Stafford for Derek Carr in a 23 second. Thoughts? All right. Um, value wise, probably, you know, close because. Those 23 seconds, just like the 23 first, are worth something right now. They're, in fact, they're worth a good amount. Um, you know, honestly, you're looking at a 23 second, and you can get a fairly good depth player for your contending team uh, with that 23 second. And so keeping that in mind, you, you, if you equate that to a good, you know, ninth to 11th round startup pick, uh, you're getting Derek Carr and one of those and moving up and grabbing Matthew Stafford. So with that being said... We're going to talk a lot about this today. We're going to talk a lot about, you know, training camp, preseason hype and unhype, I guess you could call it. And Matt Stafford's getting a fair amount of that right now because he did something to his elbow, which his, I mean, his unhype. Yeah, which I I am. I hurt my elbow last week and <laughs> people aren't. I mean, people aren't really worried about me. I'm not exactly sure that this means that we need to. Avery, are you OK? I don't want to talk about it. OK, I, I don't. I do. Stock down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dynasty domain stock down. My stock is down the stairs. Um, I, <laughs> I, I totally fell down the stairs last week and, and hurt my elbow. So, but we're good. I'm good now. Everything's fine. With that said, I think Matt Stafford is going to be fine too. It's, it's probably the same injury, probably less severe than mine. Um, but in all seriousness, I don't see this as a, a, a legitimate reason that we should be shorting Matthew Stafford and his value at this point. You saw him last year on a new team with a new number one wide receiver in Cooper Cup, and he was outstanding, to say the least. Um, he's got quite a few productive years in him. He just signed a contract extension, and we are upset because, what, he hurt his elbow? Like, I mean, seriously. So with that being said, you know Derek Carr, we talked about him before. He is on sleeper. He's the yellow quarterback. You go to his page, he's yellow in every category. He's mid. He's always going to be that mid-range quarterback just outside of the quarterback one category. However, if there were a year that he were going to jump up into that quarterback one category, wouldn't you guys think it would be this year? Yeah, absolutely. He's got Devontae Adams now. He's got Samir White, Josh yeah. Jacobs, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. Healthy he a, Darren Waller. Yeah, no, he has a really, really good group of weapons right now. And um, if Derek Carr is able to take his step up into that low-end QB1, because I don't, I don't really see him surpassing that. Last year, he had, what, 4,800 yards, 27 touchdowns, something like that. Maybe maybe 15 interceptions. Sure. Um, if if his touchdowns go up by 8 or 9 with his, his full weapons group out there... Um, 
you could easily easily see him take a, a step into that low end QB one. And um, as for the twenty three second, Nathan, what do you think? Do you think you could get Hunter Renfro for a twenty three second? Oh yeah, that <laughs> is. I think that is ideal. So let's let's say this is Hunter Renfro, Derek Carr, for Matt Stafford. Which side do you want? I mean, personally, I <clears throat> if you're contending, it, it, Stafford. Okay. He, I still would. He, and here's what's funny about that, actually, because because our guy JCJ Dynasty, who is our uh, director of content, he has tried and tried to convince me that Hunter Renfro is worth two twenty three seconds too, <laughs> and he is not. Period. I will not pay that for him. But with that being said, even even if we're undervaluing Hunter Renfro, you, a Derek Carr fan, are, you're still not taking Derek Carr and Hunter Renfro over Matt Stafford. No, no, I'll pass. And it's not because of uh, the the ceiling that I see um, Derek Carr being able to potentially hit this season. It's more of, honestly, it's just, it's my concern for, if anything's going to hold him back from that ceiling, it's going to be... Josh McDaniels. I mean, Simon was just talking about this with the run game with Josh Jacobs and blah, blah, blah. We can talk about that later. But McDaniels is an old school type of head coach, a, a very uh, run first, punch the ball, uh, very, you know, like it, just a very, very old school type of guy. We saw it in New England. We know how we know the New England style of play. And while, yes, Brady was is one of the is the greatest quarterback of all time like he had his he had his moments where it just wasn't too bright and it, it wasn't necessarily him it was just it, it was the offense that New England was running and I'm a little bit concerned about with, with the incredible weapons that Vegas has in specifically at the wide receiver position it could it could be limited. It could still be limited with the run sure. game and how McDaniel's wants to do that. He he could pull out some some old tricks or some new tricks, and uh, change a little bit. We'll we'll see how much of it was actually Belichick in New England. But again, I mean, when you're talking one of the brightest new minds in the NFL and Sean McVay with one of the most loaded offenses in the NFL, I personally think even more than the Raiders with more talent and more ability and a higher ceiling, I'll take Stafford with a couple year age gap and a better contract situation. And, and, and quite frankly, just he's more talented. I mean, he just is. It's Matt Stafford. I yeah. mean, he's talking about a guy who's got one of the best arms in the NFL. So this is less of a, you know, we're not in on Derek Carr because we are, we like we like Derek Carr's value. We like his situation. This is more. Don't fade Matt Stafford because of anything that's happening right now. And Matt Stafford, even before the injury, honestly, he's pretty underrated. I mean, what do you got on what do you got on these kind of player values that we're going through here, Simon? Yeah, um, Matt Stafford averaged twenty points per game last year um, in a super flex league. That that's huge um, as your QB one. He was the QB five or six overall. I forget. Derek Carr was the QB thirteen overall. I know that because he was yellow on Sleeper. Retweet. Um, he had 15 points per game last year. And he's three years younger, but is is three years a big enough difference for me to go with? Um, is three years big enough for me to go with um, Derek Carr over Matt Stafford? No. I don't like that. Um, Hunter Renfro on top or a 23 second is is interesting, but I, I'm still going to go with the bona fide stud that is Matt Stafford, who is already in that electric offense. 
maybe I'll look stupid in a year if Derek Carr makes that step up into elite territory. But for now, I'll keep my cards close. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. that 23 second is, I, I don't think anyone's really arguing the fact that Matt Stafford at this point is significantly more valuable than Derek Carr. Significant enough that the gap is worth a 23 second. And a 23 second is, I, I mean, in terms of second round rookie picks, like you're not going to get one of those like any more valuable than a 23 second. Like I, I'm actually curious the return that you could get on that second in the near future. If you decided to flip that, I think it could actually be a significant asset. Yeah. Maybe an aging veteran who still is a solid, solid guy that you could acquire as a win now team. Yeah. Maybe it's a promising young player that you like from this previous class that you know someone wants to take a shot with a new rookie in the 23 class as well so yeah and and i think on the theme of of trading that we're going to be talking today if someone sent me this trade offer and they and i had matt stafford and they wanted to send me Derek carr in a second i would probably counter with something like this i would ask for Derek carr in a 23 first and in return i would send them matt stafford in a 23 second because a 23 second is not elite enough it's not valuable enough for for it to swing the pendulum i want something bigger because a 23 second i still view as a dart throw it's a second round pick yeah that's a so i want something that's more sure and i'll I'll send them something back that they they may be value and that's a 23 second because worst case scenario both teams end up flipping those picks that they just traded for yep and And i have the more valuable you have the more valuable one yep and then there's a difference between QBs, but whatever. We're going to talk about that a lot today. I was going to say, that's a perfect segue because, you know, we kind of just um, broke through and and talked about, you know, how we're evaluating that trade. And we're actually going to go through and talk about now um, our stupid sleeper of the week. I almost forgot about that. Uh-huh. So we'll, do the, we'll do the stupid sleeper of the week and then we'll go through and do the trades. Yes. That would have been a perfect segue, but Sir. I'll take the L on that, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, a couple days ago, I kind of went back and forth uh, with the trade or with the stupid sleeper alert of the week. But you know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Marlon Mack one. So Marlon Mack says that he's back to pre Achilles injury form. And oh, that's it. That's it. That that's what he says. So it must be true. You know, I actually I thought of the other way around. You know, what if? What would have happened if if Marlon Mack or any other player in the NFL who's torn their Achilles came back after rehab and said, you know, I I'm suck. not really back to pre-Achilles. <laughs> that would be form. pretty funny. I yeah. think they'd lose their job. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe. You know, I don't I don't really feel the same. It's it's the stupid sleeper alert for a reason. I don't it, think I'm going to be that good. Guys, this tells me nothing about Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack stock up. Yeah, yeah, we we were joking. <laughs> we went to Colts training camp today. Whoa. And we were joking about uh tweeting out stupid things like that and and doing our best sleeper imitation. Yeah. And um finding a random player and watching them drop the ball and then tweeting out all over Twitter, you know, like uh, Ashton Doolin, stock down. He dropped a pass. It must be what uh, Matt Ryan, stock down. He <laughs> overthrew someone. Yeah. And, and that sort of thing because why are we overreacting? These guys are at practice. Yeah. Again, uh, stu- it's stupid for a reason. Uh, if you're listening, sleeper people, change your alerts, please. I do not want to get half of these or actually like 80% of them. Uh, now we're going to segue into what we're talking about. <laughs> Sorry about that. So um, today we're going to talk about dynasty trading. And and honestly, you know, this may be the biggest strategy part of playing dynasty football. 
Because honestly, when you break it down into the main, you know, strategy, you have you have draft strategy, startup draft strategy, and rookie draft strategy. You have trading strategy. You have start sit strategy. And and pretty much every aspect of your team hinges around those two things. So you know, with talking about dynasty trade strategy, this is something that you can take and. Um, well, this stuff that we've learned over a long period of in, in dealing with a lot of people, a lot of very interesting personalities, a lot of very different dynasty players, a lot of different styles of dynasty playing. Uh, it's a lot of experience compiled into what we're going to you know, make a 40 minute podcast, 50 minute podcast. And and we're going to try to explain to you, you know, some of the tactics you should be using, some of the some of the thought processes that you should be going through when you're making these trades. Um, how to be valuing these players, when to be trading, etc. So we've got a lot to talk about with that today. And I think the first thing when you know when you get a trade offer, I think the first thing that you have to talk about uh, is defining the the value of the players that are involved in the trade. So obviously, you know, when you first start playing Dynasty, if you're listening to this and you first started playing Dynasty, you might have gotten trades and you're like, I have no clue if I'm winning or losing this trade. And winning or losing is obviously all, you know. That's all based on personal opinion. But how do you two? How do you two specifically go through and define the value for your players that you are trading or getting in a trade? What What are you guys going to do in that? Um, well, the first thing I do is I literally just think about it. Like I feel like we're all at a point that is right so now. deep, man. Uh, shut I, up! I, I, wow. I think about it. Wow. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm sorry. I come up with it in my He's head wise. based on our Mind dynasty blown. rankings. So, yeah, there you go. First thing I think of is our dynasty rankings, which I pretty much know who I value over others in dynasty. We've kind of gotten to that point where we can off the top of our head, realize who's winning a trade, who's losing a trade, which side we prefer. And that's key. However, I don't stop there. I don't go ahead and offer a trade. What I do after that and I thought I would stop doing this at some point, but it's really seemed to be helpful is I do plug that into keep trade cut just to see what the dynasty community as a whole thinks about that trade scenario for uh, roughly. There's obviously major variations and major differing opinions from player to player in, in your dynasty league, but I do use keep trade cut after I determine what I need, what I prefer and things like that. So Simon, uh, what do you think? Yeah. Um, well, I don't think about it. I just go purely based off of gut instinct <laughs> at all times. Uh, I think about it. The first thing I do when that's I a key difference. Offers, I yeah. Think. No. Uh, obviously, <laughs> I do think about it. Thoughts enter my head. They come out one side of my you know go in one ear, right out the other. That's how things go with me. Um, but you know, maybe that's because I had too many concussions growing up. I might have CTE. Who all knows? Right, yeah. Move on. Um, your no. concussion is showing right now. <laughs> it is. Uh, no, really, though. If I do think you made a good point about keep trade cut because I can look at a trade and, and feel like it's even and it's helping both of our teams, but then plug it in and see that according to keep trade cut, the other team is absolutely fleecing me. And so sometimes it's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll add a little bit on top and see Throw what they think about more. it because if they don't want to do that, then I was already fine with it beforehand. Um, sometimes. So let me let me just take this opportunity to explain the the keep trade cut law of dynasty domain, because people are going to be like, oh, y y well, you guys use tr keep trade cut and you reference it on the podcast and blah blah blah. And you know what? Actually, we're using it against people, and it kind of stinks. This kind of stinks because we're giving away we, in a way we're giving away our secrets, but ultimately that's what's going to 
give the best, you know, that's what's going to give you guys, the listeners, the best products and the best advantage in your league, except when you're playing us, obviously it kind of backfires, but, you know, playing in other leagues and playing against other people in our leagues, this, these, these tips are going to really help you out. And keep trade cut is a sucky, a sucky trade calculator. I mean, it is the, is far and away the worst. I think it's far and away the best free trade calculator out, calculator out there because it helps you get such a good gauge on the what's community. The, what's the other one? Roto World? Is that the other it's one? That so one bad. sucks. Yeah, okay. I'll so give you bad. that. Okay. All right. Free trade calculators, it's great because Roto World is awful. But yeah, and, but, and great as in helpful, not great as in accurate. You're going to win and you're going to dominate. Correct. Well, you do it to measure and determine the di- the the market value of the certain players that well, you're I'm trying getting, I'm to sell there. or buy. So. so, so what, yeah, you, Nathan, he's getting there. So, what you use Keep Trade Cut for is you want to know how all the simpletons, all the people who aren't listening to the show, who aren't doing their homework, and who aren't, you know, up to date on the current dynasty dom- or dynasty values. I got to show. Yeah, Jimmy from Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, it's specifically him. Those simpletons aren't going to, they're going to look at Keep Trade Cut or they're going to value their players similarly to how Keep Trade Cut values their players because Keep Trade Cut is bad crowdsourcing, but it is crowdsourcing. And so it, it is going to give you a good idea. And, and to be honest, some of the people you're trading with are going to use Keep Trade Cut. So we're not using Keep Trade Cut and saying, oh, look, Keep Trade Cut. So this is gospel because it's not. And we've had people say that. We're using Keep Trade Cut and saying, you use it. Don't mention you're using Keep Trade Cut, but get on Keep Trade Cut and see what your trade looks like. If you are blowing somebody out, According to, you know, they're, I mean, they you, they crowdsource thousands of people. If you're you're trading with thousands of people, I mean, you are you are winning that trade in that trade calculator. That says something. It's literally like having a a a market value database right there, and it just tells you how everybody is valuing certain players. And although it sucks, and the reason it sucks is because people suck at Dynasty. That's honestly the reason. It doesn't suck because it's a bad idea, because it's not. Yeah. The concept of Keep Trade Cut is great. You know what they call me? They call me Mr. Analogy Man. So, you know when you find something like at a garage sale and you pick it up for 50 cents? And no, then, tell and me then, more about this, Mr. I, Analogy I will. Man. Thank you. And then you you go on eBay and then you, you find this item and you're like, okay, let me see what this has sold for in the past week. It's jackpot. That, that is exactly what Keep Trade Cut is. Jack- oh, I get it. just checking to see... That was an analogy. It was an analogy. <gasps> but people who say keep trade yeah. cut, oh, keep trade cut sucks because I just click through the, okay, most people don't actually do that. I mean, there are a lot of people that legitimately will sit down and do the keep trade cut part of it because they're not lazy and in a hurry like you. But at the same time, the concept of it, the crowdsourcing part of it is amazing and you can use it to your advantage. You can use, I mean, so I mean, here's another example, you know, using and using keep trade cut as much as I hate it, um, you know, if I'm in a startup draft and I'm indifferent between two players, I might go and see who who the community is valuing higher so I'm not losing value when I go and people are interested in my players. Because I, I, I tend to draft on my own biases and my own rankings, but the problem is if that doesn't line up with what the market says, then I'm, I am, in the long term, I am losing value if I do that, if I do that enough times. So I think trade calculators are, are a good thing. And good tra- trade calculators, like my favorite is probably Dynasty League Football. Um... You know, I I like Dynasty Nerds is okay. It's better than Keep Trade Cut. They have some weirdies in there, um, and individual rankings are also great. So, um, I think that's I think there's one other big thing though that we can you know use to define value. Yes, and I think one of the one of the biggest ones where you can can define value, and you need to be careful when you do this though, is startup drafts. 
this is really only relevant if you're in the first year of a dynasty league. Anything after that, the only time you can use drafts is for rookies. There have been too many, and honestly, I was just in a chat with a guy in one of my leagues today where we were kind of struggling through this and having to discuss how we value different players based on drafts. And I mean, I'm referencing the rookie draft from this year, and he thinks value has changed since then. And as and, and then there's like other ones where where sorry, what time out? I have to. How has the value changed since the rookie draft? It has. It has. Like it, Christian Watson was going late first right now. He just went and went at two four that I was in why, the other day. But why did it change? Um, training camp. That's a bad reason. We'll get to this unless injury occurs. Correct. And Christian Watson Personally, is about a reason. Was is is technically injured, but we knew he had that that nagging injury concern, and it's nothing major. Yeah. My, I just wanted to interject and say people yes. who people who are you know saying that these things are fluctuating. Th- We'll talk about this. Keep yeah, going. but again, another thing is with the startup drafts, when you're starting up one of your dynasty leagues, please, please, please look into that and refer back to that because so many things can happen in the offseason after that draft occurs and you can start trading guys around and you can very, very easily forget where those players went in the startup drafts. And then you look back there and you're like, oh crap, I just gave up a butt ton for a butt little in terms of startups. Even yeah. though the value of a player can fluctuate and rise and fall in the offseason based on team situation, injury, opinion on you know the coaches if he's the rb one or two wide receiver one or two whatever etc cetera, etc cetera. please please look into that after the first year it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it does not Although, matter let's 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 put this in there another good name another good name for this and another good way to expand the umbrella a little bit of these startup draft valuing strategies is just to call it adp because there are good there are good resources out there adp wise that actually are up to date monthly and can help you determine you know where players are going in startup drafts so even though your startup draft might not be relevant if you actually have good adp data that is helpful that is a very in my opinion that's one of the best ways of actually like legitimately valuing players because if you're looking at real and solid adp data i mean that's about as good as it gets in terms of where where the market is is valuing players so it's just, and some of it is just going to be people's opinions, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh, that ADP value, like you said, can be really valuable. And if you need to pay for a solid one, honestly do it. If it's just a couple bucks a year, a couple bucks or, or like a dollar a month or something, because that'll end up having some pretty solid return. If you have an upper hand on guys, when it comes to, uh, understanding value of players, a lot of dynasty leagues are real money leagues where the buy-in is anywhere from 20 to a hundred plus bucks a year for, for every player. So if you can win one of those, you're already making up and then profiting for however many leagues you're in. If you, if you just win one. So with, with that, now that we've defined value in, in, as you approach trading and dynasty, then you got to move on to kind of the second step. After you define your value, you need to look into your own team needs you need to evaluate team needs. So, Simon, you want to break down what that means exactly? Well, um, I think beyond just the individual value of players, sometimes you have to sacrifice best value because you just really need someone. Um, so playing in super flex leagues like we do, there's often instances where you're staring at a uh, low-end QB and just a, a mid-range wide receiver. 
and you already only have one QB and you have to take that QB who you maybe value less over the other player. And I think the reason for that is team need and in that case, positional scarcity. So I think this applies most in quarterbacks. You see it a lot in tight ends, especially in tight end premium and then and then in running backs as well because there are a surplus of young, productive wide receivers in football at all times. There's not so many, there's either, there's either the have and the have nots with the QBs. There's the elite tight ends and the overvalued tight ends, as I like to say. Maybe that's a little bit controversial. Um, and then with the running backs, they're just so up and down and, and their league life is so short that you really have to determine your team needs based on the age of your players and it gets really complicated. Um, so specifically with quarterbacks, how do you like to approach that in a draft, Avery? In a draft? I mean, and here's the thing. You have to assume when we're talking about a lot of these, you know, value-wise, we're talking about super flex leagues and we're talking about tight end premium, we're talking about 12-team. That's just, if you played in one of our leagues, you know that's our rules, but honestly, it's the most the most popular is 12-team Q quarterback or really super flex, honestly, is the 12-team super flex is going to be the most popular and tight end premium is usually with those. Um, you know, with quarter, I mean, if you're asking me high value quarterbacks, you know, I I am notorious for taking two quarterbacks at the beginning of a startup draft because honestly, you your your wide receivers, your running backs, your tight ends, most more than likely are going to fluctuate in various amounts throughout the next three years. If you have set in stone proven quarterbacks, two of them, that's going to put you. That's gonna that's gonna put you in position to contend right away. I mean, even when you have a rebuilding or a bad team or whatever, I mean, if you have two elite quarterbacks, you are guaranteed that that floor, that 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 points floor, that when you actually get into the season, you're going head to head with somebody else. The object is to score more points than your opponent, and the most consistent and the most explosive way to do that is to have two of what is the highest scoring the highest scoring position in fantasy football, and it is not close in the quarterback position. If you lock down that position, if you have consistency in that position, you're putting yourself a step above the opponent. Now, can you have a great quarterback and a not-so-great quarterback and and surround them with good weapons and win? Absolutely. You could get a, a Jared Goff. You could get a Carson Wentz and put them in that super flex spot and have really good running backs or really good wide receivers, and it worked. You could also have, I mean, you technically, it, I don't see this one as often, but you could technically have two bad QBs and do it too. The problem with that is, like I said, with quarterbacks, if you know what you have, you're going to have a solution for contending or being in the conversation to contend for your league long-term. You're going to have a long-term floor for your point totals in your leagues, in your league games. With If you go the wide receivers and running backs route, I mean, there is a good chance you're going to have to blow up your team within the next three years. It's just That's just how it is. If you have a solid quarterback, those are your cornerstones. Those are the foundation of your team. I'm huge on quarterbacks in Super Bowl yeah. leagues. Especially with there being two Absolutely. of them, they're so valuable. And I think they're undervalued, too, because here's the reason why. Nathan, how many teams are there in the NFL? 32. How many quarterbacks play every week? 32. And then you get to a certain point in the season... How many play? 28. There's bye weeks, right? Yeah. And then people start getting hurt. Uh-oh. Maybe now there's 25. There's 12 teams in our league. Each team wants to start two quarterbacks. There's 25 quarterbacks to go around, and one team just happens to have three elite quarterbacks. You have a huge step up. Even the worst quarterbacks in Dynasty are valuable. Jared Goff. Even the worst quarterbacks up, in Dynasty are top 50 yeah, Dynasty they, players. They, 
Well, they honest, yeah, they could easily be. Jared Goff went at the 13th, goes in the 13th round usually, 12th, 13th, 14th. He put up 13.8 points per game last year. Just because he's a bad quarterback does not mean he's at least sort of valuable because he's one of those 20, we'll just call it 28 quarterbacks in the league. That is horrible, though. That is so low. And so we've talked about this before. If I'm ha- if I'm trading Jared Goff, I'm not taking anything less than an overplay overpay unless I get a quarterback back. Sure. Because I don't want to give away a quarterback that can go in my super sl- super flex spot or my QB spot and not get one back that can replace him. I'm not just going to trade away Gar- Jared Goff for a receiver that's slightly better. I'm not trading Jared Goff for Tyler Boyd. I'm not trading Jared for any of these guys that are, go earlier in startups, I'm not doing it. it. It just does not make sense to do. And um, in Superflex, I think we just, we're, I think so often we're still more accustomed to the one QB play style that we haven't really adjusted to valuing these quarterbacks maybe the way we should yet. Yeah. And, it, and it's a great time. And even in the late rounds of startup drafts, like honestly, that when you get to the 10th, 11th round, you're picking if you're, up Carson Wentz, starting Jared quarterbacks Goff, there. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. You, I mean, even if you have five quarterbacks in your roster, you're killing it. Um, so I think, you know, uh, with evaluating team needs and trading, I think, you know, you, you've, you need to take the value. If it's, if it's your, it's a crazy value win, value is more important than need if it's, if it, is that if there's that big of a deficit value. Yep, and that's been a big thing we've been talking about recently is just because you're a rebuild team doesn't mean you can't own, at least for some time, a veteran player that puts up a bunch of points on a week-to-week basis. Like, sure. Heck, if you can get a guy like Stefan Diggs for, you know, if you can just have him on your team when, when, when your players together average, like, 25 years old or younger it doesn't matter like take take that value hold on to it he's he's a guy that's on like a six-year deal right now with yeah i know but that's what i'm saying is like everyone thinks that just because they have a semi-old or an older player that they can't hold on to them as a as a rebuild but you can a either hold on to that person if their contract situation is strong like a guy like Diggs, or if there's a guy that you're more concerned about about the longevity of their uh, situation and, and and team um maybe a guy like tyreek hill don't trade them away right away. Wait until the middle of the season. Hold on to them, and then your contenders are going to get desperate in the middle of the season, and, and you're going to hold all the cards, and they're going to overpay for those guys because they will put those contenders over the top. This is what we've done. Some of us have done last season. I did with Chubb, et cetera, et cetera. But just because you're a rebuild doesn't mean you can't take the best value, own the best value, and then capitalize on that at the right time. Yeah, yeah, and that's going to go in. We're going to talk about kind of trade timing too uh, later in the episode. But uh, back to team needs, you know, I think if you have a trade that's even, which honestly, you know, if people aren't complete and utter crapheads when they when they trade with you in Dynasty, you know, the, I think I think a I think a great thing is when people actually offer fair trades. Like, not they're not trying to destroy you. Uh, and obviously nobody's going to offer you a trade where you would, I mean, unless they just don't know where you would destroy them, but people who actually understand the market and want to give you a fair deal and it benefits both teams. I think that's really important. And so when you have a trade that is even, and that is fair, I think, you know, that what's your the decision maker is going to be to default, uh, to examine your team situation. So what do you need on your team? Evaluate your team needs. Do you, you know, 
heck, I'm trading a and this is just one for one, and we don't love one for ones, but I'm trading a wide receiver. I'm trading a a running back of the same caliber, and the the market value is fair. Maybe I have picks attached to him. What do I need? Do I need a wide receiver? Do I need a running back? So I think I think that is you know that's something to keep in mind also. And then and then the other thing is just do, don't donate. Just don't just donate your buy in. You want to talk about that one a little bit? I mean, it's it's just something we see people do far too often in our dynasty leagues. Yeah, and um. This is this is for specifically people playing in paid leagues because we pay our entry fee every year and one year ahead of time. So right now, in all of our leagues, we've paid for this season and for next season just so that you can't trade away all your picks and ruin your team and then dip. All that to say, there are some people who join a startup and they'll start drafting and get about four rounds in and decide they don't like their team. And then they'll trade away everyone they've picked so far for 23 picks. And then their team will look like crap and they'll have an estimated 90 points per game and other people have 150. And all 12 23 firsts. (laughs) Yeah, and and then they'll have five or six 23 firsts. And it's like, why are you really thinking, how how long is it going to be until you're ready to win again? Do you really think you can just sit out one year, pay your buy-in next year all those all six of those 23 firsts are going to turn into studs and you're going to win next year no why not just take the guarantee of now take the much safer and more likely opportunity with with just drafting to win this year then sit on your butt for a whole year and then say you know all six of these 23 firsts are going to turn into jamar chase and justin jefferson and i'm going to win and i'm going to have the best team in the league no just just draft Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford and Aaron Rodgers and Dalvin Cook and Austin Eckler and win now. Just because they're older doesn't mean you don't have to. And and this happens in trades too. When people value that you know, this is a trading episode. So people will see a guy that is 28 and puts up 17 points per game and trade him for the one that's 23 and put up 11. You know? Yeah. Just it, because he's younger. No, keep your guy. He's 28. He's not old yet. You know, there is such a thing as win in a year, too. There is there is such a thing as that. I mean, people are like, oh, productive struggle. I'll win in two years. I'll win in three years. I've got to get eight 23 firsts so that all of them, I, I hope all of them hit. Well, number one, they're not all going to hit. But number two, if you draft players that are good contending pieces this year, and they'll also be good contending, and unless you have a player that's a contending piece only good for one year, you're fine. Hold the contending piece. And that goes more, this is more in the roster construction. We yes. honestly could probably do a whole video on, or a whole podcast on roster construction. And, and um, and I'm not saying you are wrong to try to get younger, but if you're trying sure. to get younger, please don't get younger with the intent of still competing. It, it is not you. wrong to trade an older guy who produces more into a younger guy who produces less. It's not wrong. But for instance, on Keep Trade Cut, Elijah Moore, who put up, I don't know, how, how many points per game do you think he put up last year? I, I don't. We're, we're, by the way, here's just a plug. We're going to have a short out on Elijah Moore this week. And we are. We've got some serious talking to do about Elijah Moore. It's just... Some serious, like we're gonna have to sit you down. Coming, yeah. coming from the guy Looking who I could eye. not get him to shut up about Elijah Moore. I couldn't get it, and now he's he's, yeah, we're just, yeah, so he just hates be, him more than any. Hey, I still was right about Elijah. No, Moore. I'm kidding. I was right. I All called right, shut it. Up, shut up. He did okay. a good. Elijah job. Moore yeah. last year put up 12.5 <laughs> points per game. Right now, according to Keep Trade Cut, you can trade him straight up for Derrick Henry, who put up 24 points per game last year. <laughs> if you do the math, that's about somewhere between. Um, twice as much and and three times as much 
no, it's not. It's actually just about twice as much. I was going to say it. Yeah, I was just, I, was, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> All that to say, yes, yeah. Derrick Henry is older. He is a 28-year-old running back. Do you think you're more likely to win this year keeping Derrick Henry or in three years if you trade into Elijah Moore? There's a lot that can go wrong in three years. Personally, a lot. The Jets can fall apart. I'm going to take... <laughs> they already have. They could. That's a really good point. Um, personally, I'm going to keep Derrick Henry and, t- and take my shot at winning this year. And, and that's something that we see happen a lot. And I'm sorry. I'm going to send out that trade offer right now in my league because I own one share of Elijah Moore. I'm going to send that out now. I'm not kidding. If you put in no Elijah Moore way. on Keep Trade Cut, yeah, it does players, to tra- e- players to even trade... They're value As adjacent. In trade evenly, one for one. Derrick Henry shows yeah. up, you put it in, and it says, fair This trade. is a fair trade. And that this is part keep trade cut sucks, part wow. dynasty community not doing yeah. great on value. It let's moving past Elijah Moore. We've got it, we got a couple things to cover here. Um yeah, it's donate don't don't donate your buy Okay, so the next important thing that you need to think about when you're dealing with trading, you have to know your trade partner. And and this yes. is gonna be a huge, this is a huge a huge because a yeah, lot of go on a few dates a lot yes old hands a lot of <laughs> just get to know each other in a yeah. very intimate way exactly your trade partner you know if you get to know them well a lot of trading becomes kind of a mind game and and you have players Brain like game. you have players like goma juice in our leagues who who thinks he's playing mind games but his mind games actually are kind of sucky and we can see right through them but then sometimes you know sometimes i see him use those mind games on players who are less suspecting than us who know his tricks and we're like oh crap and i'll throw in a few gifts and he always gets it done yeah it, it, it's it's just very interesting i think he's i think he, that's a guy who's very good at this um but how much does your you think about this how much does your trade partner want the players involved um, I have I'm in a startup draft right now where a guy is collecting 23 verse and he wants mine and I know he wants it but he is really trying to he's really trying to get a lot he's trying to get a lot back with the 23 verse and try I'm trying to not give me a bunch in return but I know he wants that 23 first at this point he's banking his whole season on getting a bunch of 23 first and then hitting in the draft next year and so I don't need to trade my 23 first we are three rounds into it four rounds into a startup draft but I know my trade partner really wants them. And in fact, he's going to need those because he is totally shipping off all of his current startup value, which is extremely risky to, to throw away sure things for dart throws. Um, but I know he wants, I know, you know, in some of our leagues, guys like AZ, who is a Bears fan, I mean, I, I know he's going to like Cole Komet and, yeah. and Darnell Mooney. He really likes Darnell Mooney. I mean, and so if, if, if I have Mooney and he's trying to trade, I mean, I, 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 I'm fine keeping Mooney, but you're going to have to pay up. And part of also knowing your trade partner is knowing if they're a contender or, you know, a rebuilder. I mean, if somebody's contending and you know they have a glaring need, and this goes back to trading, you know, and we'll get to this in season, you're going to, I mean, you've got to be fine keeping your players. Don't get in a hurry to move somebody. Know your trade partner. Know their tendencies. Yeah. I mean, some people just have impatient tendencies. Find that Patriots fan. Trade them Mac, Mac Jones for Matt Stafford one for one. Yeah. Saw that happen. It was a Patriots fan. Find that Jets fan. Find that Giants fan. They all, all of us do it. We all have a slight bias. And um, even sometimes you can find a, a player who's a fan of a team and they're a little bit lower on a player than consensus yeah. because they know about that team. Yeah, that's that's true. And, and they watch that team, yeah. Example, Colts and any tight ends. We don't like the Colts tight ends, but even Michael Pittman. We're like, right. why is Michael Pittman going this high? Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Side note about the Elijah Moore thing. I, don't, I actually forgot. I lost my one share of him because I got offered Tua 
for KJ Osborne and Elijah Moore. Oh my gosh. So stop. Yeah. That is okay. Wow. That's knowing your partner. Uh, another thing to keep in mind, you know, knowing your trade partner, who's in, who initiated the trade? Cause that's going to tell you a lot. Of, I mean, you can go out and initiate trades. A lot of times I just like to, to gauge interest and throw out trades and that's great. But if you have somebody that reaching out to you about trading for a guy, that's also going to tell you that you could probably, you can probably get a good return for that person that you're trading. And I think it's important also to talk about winning and losing trades because, and, and you're big on this because I'm pointing at Simon. You're big on this because, you know, it's not always, you don't always have to quote unquote win the trade. You don't always have to win like value wise the trade. And so what do you, and what do you yeah. mean by that? What are good situations where you actually like don't have to win a trade? Yeah. When I'm, when I'm going out and sending a trade offer to the best of my ability, I don't try to just cheat the other team out of this and, and leave their team hopeless and desperate for the next 10 years. When I'm going in, I, I typically try my best and I, and I know there have been cases where I have not done this um, at, at Goma Juice. Um, I typically try my best to make sure that this trade is beneficial for both my team and theirs. If I see that their team is not contending this year, I'll give them a young player and try to get one of their old guys that's going to contend and is not useful for them. Or the other way around, I'll find a, an old team and try to offer them one of my more productive contending pieces for one of their guys that I think could be a staple of my rebuild. Um, and I think that's really important to see that in a trade calculator, it might say you're losing, but this this trade is perfect for your team. Yeah, I, I, I think that's really important to remember. Um, you don't always have to, quote unquote, win the trade. And winning is always, you know, going to be based on somebody's opinion. You got something else. And um, you did just say something a second ago about you can gauge interest in, a, in one of your players based on someone reaching out to them. And Nathan had a really good point about this earlier when talking about uh, trying to go and trade for a sleeper, just just one for one, trying to make a trade for a sleeper. So you want to you explain that whole concept to us? Yeah. Um, those of you who are super into guys that are have like an ADP of 150 plus, um, you know, it's it's super cool to like the guys that aren't super popular because you know I'm 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 one of those people. Yeah, I liked Elijah yeah, Moore before whatever. he was cool and all Shut that up. stuff. Yeah, but, who do you like this year before yeah. they're cool? Oh, let's not talk about that right now. Okay. <laughs> um, John, no, I never target a sleeper straight up in, in a trade. Never, never, ever, ever do it. It is it's a bad move on your part, and it's just gonna make it's going to make the person you're offering the trade scratch their head a, a bit. They're, they're going to see that you're offering trash to get trash. And they're going to be like, well, did, did they, did they find something valuable in my trash that I didn't know about? And then they're going to counter to you and they're going to make you pay up for that guy. Don't ever, don't ever try to get a sleeper straight up always make sure they're throw-ins for a bigger trade. That's, I cannot stress that. You'll enough. almost always overpay. Yeah, um, yes. because absolutely. And, and so many of those, those fringe roster guys that you might view as a sleeper, what are you going to do? Offer a third for them? Exactly. I, I'm just and, assuming if, if I had this, let's, let's say I have Jamison Crowder or Will Fuller or one of those guys that people might be offering thirds for if someone offers me a third. I'm like, nah, I'd rather just keep the player because they might actually do something for me this year, that 23 third will not do anything. So unless you're going to send me a second, I'm not budging. However, if you find a, a bigger player and then throw one of those guys in 
on top so that it's worth it for you, I think I'm a lot more likely to, to not really think about them and just toss them out. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, in wrapping up the with your trade partner here, definitely play your, your partner's team needs. If you have somebody reaching out to you about a player, you know, then you can you can even use some of these other, you know, some of these, you can throw more guys in and win value-wise, but if it suits their team need, they're going to be more likely to say, yes, I, I yep. like this trade. Yep. And a lot of people, this and this, we're going to get to this in our next point, a lot of people freak out about team need. Like, yep. like legitimately, if it doesn't look good, like on paper, their team need, they they will trade at all costs and it's it's a bad strategy but you can really take advantage of people who use that strategy yeah and that's that's one of the biggest reasons for my personal success when it comes to trades in general after i look at my own team need and what i think i need to um, increase in in my awesomeness at a position or my suckiness at a position um First thing I do is I go to this is why we really like sleeper um, and the features that they have It's just it's really nice the way they set it up when you click that trade icon and then it shows in order positionally every single teams uh, um, players that they own on on their um, on their team and it is What I always do is like, okay, well, I'm gunning for a running back. That's kind of what I need now let me go look through all other 11 teams in this league and see who's really hurting for a wide receiver because I personally am pretty stacked at wide receiver. I can spare a pretty valuable wide receiver and be absolutely fine. So let's go look and see, you know, this guy has at best, he has a mid-grade wide receiver two as his wide receiver one that he's going to have to start. He's hurting. Let me kind of play on that. Let me give him something that he really needs. And dang, I really like the look of his running backs and he has quite a bit. Let, let's see if we can make something happen there. Yeah, and 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 I think the last thing to stress on this part is patience. Just be patient. Don't be don't be the guy. Don't be the guy who you know people coming to trade with you are saying. Okay, I know this guy. I know I can I can get him on this. I can get him on that. We're telling you these things. These are things you also need to avoid being when you are trading. These are these are things to look for in other people. But it's important to make sure that you're not doing these things as well. Yeah, I, and I think trade timing is 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 important in all of this too. Um, you know, and I have to say something. What, go ahead, Nathan. What uh, yeah, I was just going to say on top of that patience thing, like don't think just because you're not getting any trades done for a significant amount of time in the off season for, for a stretch, like it's okay. Don't, don't start freaking out like, oh, I need these running backs so bad because I'm going to lose and I think I can contend, but I'm a little bit weak here. I'm a little bit weak there. And now I'm going to start overpaying and now I'm going to start rushing and rushing and rushing. Other players that have significant team needs are going to do the same thing. If they're not smart, if they're smart, they're going to be patient as well. Don't don't be the one that is impatient and missteps and then gives up way too much value. Like I, I personally just haven't gotten many trades done in any of my leagues recently because I feel not even I, I don't even feel super comfortable in like one or two of them. But there just hasn't been anything that's been offered up to me. There hasn't been anything that I've been able to make work, even though I've tried and I'm not going to overstep to a point where I'm paying what I'm not comfortable with paying. If you're, if there's ever a point where you're uncomfortable, don't try to make yourself comfortable doing it. Yeah. Just don't do it. I think that's a really good point. And sometimes I think you could even go into a trade having a pre supposed price that you're willing to pay. Um, yeah, and it'd be helpful to know that just by looking at 
maybe do your own rankings so that you know, okay, I want this player, but I'm only willing to package a player ranked this high and another guy, whatever, another pick for them. Don't go in, because I've seen someone like a player and then trade someone worth just as much with a second on top just because they wanted to, just because they liked it and they wanted to get a deal done. Or I've seen guys... Like in one of my leagues, there was someone who was freaking out because George Kittle was the oldest player on his team and the only guy over 25, and George Kittle's 28, so he had to trade him because he's in a rebuild. That is like, so You're not bad. so silly. Why? I don't, I don't know. He just wanted people to. People overvalue youth. And then he got way underpaid. I, I forget what it was. It was like a, a 24 first and some... I don't even know. That's so, that's, yes. And this is, I think this is, you know, timing of when you are trading in the, because Dynasty, the, the fun thing about Dynasty is it's all year round. That it really is what sets it apart from redraft. And, and you know, I, I think, I think we can get carried away with this. And I think sometimes we get uh, a little football board, especially during some of the off season months. And, and so I've, no, broke, we don't. Yeah, whatever. No, we definitely didn't start a podcast in, in the off season of the NFL. Uh, because we were bored. But um, I think we can break these, you know, I think there are three main periods of the year that we can break down in terms of dynasty trading. And I, I, I want to see if you guys agree with this, because I kind of think of these in three in three separate ways now. So from February to July, after the Super Bowl until like the start of training camp, for me, this is the only time, the only time I'm really trading players, this is when I'm writing the market and I'm doing buy sells. So what I mean by that is for some reason, and, and the draft is a legitimate reason, and free agency is a legitimate reason, but unless, you know, unless I either have a very strong suspicion about the future of a player, I'm not trading for or, or trading somebody away unless either one, they have, their value has fallen for absolutely no reason, or two, I would be trading for somebody if... Well, I'm trading for somebody in that scenario, but if their value has risen for absolutely no reason, that's a good then reason. Then you trade then them you, away. Then you trade yep. them away. Outside of that, like you should not be making team need trades from February to July, and you should not just be really trading people for fun in February. Or July. Yeah, things will work themselves out. They always do. So, and that so really, do you do you agree with that? I think during that period, it's more ride the market, get get your buys, get your sells, and, but you don't have to make moves. Yeah, overall, I would agree with February to July. I may even go a step further and go February to April and then April to July, specifically pre-draft and post-draft. Okay. I think anywhere from uh, February to um, pre, really until the start of the NFL draft, I think is for anyone the worst time to make blockbuster trades because you've got the draft that shakes up so much and then free agency which shakes up even more. Yeah. At least this last season, it screwed so many people over. Like, it, there were so many value fluctuations. And, and this is, gonna, guys, this is going to happen every single year. Honestly, if this even results in there just being a dead month or two, at least for me personally in trading, like, I'm fine with that. I'm going to try not to get anything done unless it's just something ridiculous and but you know it, don't expect much to happen there don't try to make anything happen there especially a blockbuster trade and yeah i think that the problem is people get antsy and they think things are going to get shaken up but they're going to get shaken up for their team and their team's going to be the one that 
that the players' values are going to tank, and yeah. and they have this idea that they know what's going to happen, and they got to trade away this player because something bad is going to happen to them, and that other guy isn't. But you might look on the other side of it and really wish you didn't. Yep. We do this too. This year, I traded Rashad Bateman for the 109 or something like that, and then NFL draft happens. All of a sudden, Rashad Bateman's worth a lot more, and I wish I could have changed that around. I think that's a good point. So maybe we say February to April is like a, is more of a dead period. Like, I mean, don't trade. You don't need to. And then after April, I mean, I would just even tread lightly. And and but the buy sells, you know, that the the draft and free agency will factor into people being buys or sells because you know people like you know Michael Carter, for example, who was you know completely obliterated value wise when Brees Hall was drafted there. Yeah, it, just an example. And this is not a real. This is, I'm not saying you know that he's a buy, but he he might be somebody to where if he got shorted to like running back seventy. That might be a reason you might want to go buy somebody. But then let's let's get to, you know, the August and September, these two months that we're in right now. For me, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this. We might not agree on this. This is my dead period. I do not like making trades right now. It's After, been it's been dead for me. I haven't done anything. I, I haven't either. I've stopped. What what about you? I've sent out a few offers, have not gotten anything done. Yeah, I think it's I, been about a month yeah, since I've made I've a I've been throwing a lot of offers out and gotten nothing out of them. Some people hate me for the offers I sent them. Others are like, eh, I hate your player. Like, whatever. I'm like, okay, fine. I can't really do anything with that if you hate my players. Again, but yeah. Only the just, extreme buys and sells right now. Uh, yeah, because a couple of those, we have a lot of... We, it, this is why. This is why I'm saying this. This is why it's my dead period. Is because people react to training camp and preseason news. They do. And... And however, I think I internally do sort of at the same time because there might be a player I was sort of high on and then a bunch of bad news is coming out about them. I'm not necessarily going to go trade for a player when they have a whole bunch of bad things coming out. In oh, absolutely. But I'm also not going out and trading for a player just because they're having a whole bunch of good reports from training camp. So I think it's a good point. The smartest thing to do is probably just sit still, take your team, wait till the season starts. Yeah, and honestly, anytime I could find it really acceptable for you to trade a guy in this, in this time in August to September, it would be for a guy that ADP-wise is pretty low and you kind of like the looks of him and no one else is really valuing him that high in the dynasty community, almost a sleeper. And then you can see if you can sort of get a lateral trade done with a throw in for the guy that you want. Sure. Maybe if you wanted to do that. Otherwise, if you're trying to get out on a guy because of news, because of training camp, if you're trying to sell someone, don't, don't do, it. do it. And if you're trying to get into a guy, I, I just saw when Simon had this pulled up on his computer, uh, that Romeo dubs went from like 52 like it just they're out of I think it's like out of ten thousand. Yeah. Went from fifty two to twenty two hundred in like it just because because Rogers has been complimenting him. I mean, yeah. which is impressive. But sure, but now is not the time to buy. But him. Don't buy if you bought Romeo Dubs in April. Yeah, he you're was, you're chilling. Good job. Yeah, he, well his, done. His value has gone up. Yeah, and and I if, yeah. if he's yeah. five if times as valuable. Yep. As he and was I would in say April. if you got Romeo Dubs in April, you shouldn't be selling him now either. No, and and if if you. If you, yeah, exactly. If you are buying or selling reactively, reacting to news, it's too late. It is too late. The smart and some of these, some of these, you know, value fluctuations are predictable. They just are. You you were suspicious the Jets would draft a running back, so you sold Michael Carter before the draft. But if you're selling Michael Carter after the draft, <laughs> he's probably worth holding at that point because he's yeah. dipping. He's dipping too far. It's just an example again. But yeah. but it, it's. 
it's it's just really hard because I, I think a lot of people go out and and they're looking at okay now I'm looking at the training camp reports today or the sleeper alerts or whatever you know but I'm looking at the training camp reports today and I've got to go get Romeo Doug I got to go get Isaiah Pacheco I got to get him now like because he's getting you know Robbie Wentz I got to sell Josh Jacobs because he got snaps in a preseason game. Good point. You should go yeah, do that. Yeah. Now here's one. Here's one player where I would have a big exception um, for everything we're talking about here, and that is who we just talked about earlier today, and it's Marlon Mack because he's back to pre Achilles injury form. Shut that up. is a great point, Nathan. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I am. I am willing to go sell a 23 first for. Marlon you can't Mack. listen to anything we say. Um, so then in September to January, that's when you're making moves. You're being value conscious, but you are making moves, particularly in the later part of the season, more like. October, November to January to set your team up if you're contending to, you know, have a good playoff run. Or And you also see which teams thought they were contending are not contending, and you might be able to get some of those players for cheap. Uh, you have some teams that, you know, might want to get out of a rebuild, and you might be able to get some picks for cheap. So um, I think that there are very good situations in the season where you can trade, but, like, also don't freak out after week one. Get some consistency out of your team. Make sure that you're accounting for injuries and things like that. I had a team last year that had a ton of injuries, and I was like, man, if I can just let them, I think if I let them ride it out, they have a chance in the playoffs. And the team won the league because everybody got healthy at the same time, and I just hit. Like that's Sometimes you just have to be patient. Don't freak out during the season. But at the same time, it's a good time to evaluate your team needs. Um, real quick, let's touch on two things. You know, trading draft picks. You know, I, you want to go ahead and touch on this a little bit, Nathan, because yeah, I think we um, have strong feelings. Don't trade draft picks pre-NFL draft. Do it, do it when you're going to have your league rookie draft after the NFL rookie draft or trade your draft picks, trade away your draft picks if you're a win now, um, kind of towards uh, maybe at the start of the regular season or whatnot if, if you need to make a run um, or trade for them if you're, if you're about to rebuild. Try to get those, get the upper hand on your uh, teammates that, are contending, make them overpay a little bit for the assets that they want to win now. It's a win-win for both because one wins money, the other one is getting set for the future. So that's really the kind of the sweet spots, in my opinion, for getting those draft picks. Um, there, There is a big, obviously we just saw this this year too, um, be weary of 101s versus every other draft pick because the, the difference is very, very, very huge. You can end up having a guy like AJ Brown being worth more than two firsts, more than two general firsts, and then him compared to the 101 of 2022 being worth like the equivalent thing. Sure, so yeah. just keep that in mind. If you're trading away your 101 and you're rebuilding, like that better be more valuable. And and I think the last thing we'll touch on just extremely quickly here. When you, you know, trade with trading veterans. Uh, and, and acquiring youth or trading for youth. I just think you need to be really careful because I think the number one downfall of people in dynasty leagues, honestly, is that they totally overvalue youth. When in reality, the veterans are who's going to win you leagues. Like you have to have, if you're going for all rookies this year and going and getting a, a ton of 23 firsts, man, that team might win you a league in five or six years, maybe. Like, I mean, even then you would need almost all of them to hit. Like, you're going to have to have a good mix of rookies and vets or or young players, I should say, and vets in order to even, like, get close to continuing. There is a there is a good mix you can have where you're setting yourself up long-term for success, but you're also competing now. And we've said it, if you get in the playoffs, it's, a, it's literally 
it's a dart throw. Like you could easily have a good weeks, have three good weeks, and win the championship just as easy as anybody else. It's all it's a lot of luck. But people overvalue youth, and they make all their all their roster like exactly what you said earlier. Uh, everybody under my roster is under twenty five. Oh, that's man, I'm gonna kill my dynasty league. No, you're not. You absolutely are not going to kill yeah. your dynasty league. There's no, there's no indication that you will. No, I mean, prior experience doesn't say you will. Research doesn't say that you will. You know, we, honestly, if you go back and look at the at dynasty teams that win, they're guys that play into the veteran values, right, and and have those veterans mix with the youth on their team so that they have a sustainable model for team growth and team success down the line. So I think that I think that's you know a big reason that that people you know just end up not doing well in dynasty because they get too far on the other side of things so uh anything else on trade strategy guys uh good with me man no i, I like it yeah um I, we hope this was useful i mean i think like i said this is one of the bigger strategy parts of dynasty so so we should give us your thoughts and if you want to share your secrets you can and if you think you know we're stupid for sharing ours or if you think some of our secrets are just stupid in general you should let us know um just a couple clerical things real quick with the domain we do have the youtube page it is online it is launched and we are posting shorts and we're going to post three more this week so make sure you get over to youtube and fi- and uh subscribe to dynasty domain and uh, give our videos a watch let us know how we're doing uh it's something new but we really like it so far and we've had some good feedback on our shorts um this is the last week that Simon is in Indianapolis with us. Yeah, it's it a is, shame. We just got a new sad. studio, too. It, it is large sad. But so, Simon, you're not going to notice any difference, though. Simon is going to be studying at Purdue University this uh, fall, and he is going to be calling in and doing the podcast remotely from, you know, August to December, I guess, until you come back for whatever break you have. Yeah. But um, we've got a plan, so honestly, you shouldn't be able to tell a difference. Hopefully, if everything goes right, you shouldn't be able to tell a difference on the show. But Simon has put in a ton of work for Dynasty Domain, and obviously, we couldn't have done this without him. For sure. I mean, we could not have done it. So good luck at Purdue. We are definitely going to miss having you in studio. Um, I'm sure, like I said, nobody else is going to notice, but you're not going to be here, and Nathan and I are probably going to break something while you're gone. Yeah, sad crying tears. Yes, very especially for the breaking things. So yeah, Breaker. good luck. He'll be back. He'll be back in a, in studio soon enough. I'm sure for our breaks and stuff like that, but we're on Twitter at domain dynasty. So you can check us out there. Uh, you can go to dynastydomain.com and check out our leagues. As always, we appreciate you listening. This has been dynasty domain. Mm-hmm.